This is a Media 8 production. This podcast may have explicit themes and swearing and may not be suitable for children. The first beer goes down easy. It's bubbly, it's sweet, tickles the back of your throat. The second beer, you're starting to enjoy it. You kick back, get a bit more relaxed. But it's the third beer, Brent. That is. It's the third beer that where you hit that vibe, a certain mellowness comes over. It's a golden light nectar, I would describe. The pub turns into a very happy place, and you've hit that spot that's just right. And our third beer is a special guest each week that we get to interview and have a chat to not only about the beer, but also about life and other stuff that men don't talk about. I'm Brett McCallum. I'm Chris Dixon, and we'd like to talk about the third beer. G'day, champion. How are you? Boom, boom. How are we doing, author? Mate, oh, thank you very much. Hey, thank hey, you very much. The book's on. been released. I just saw a few copies in front Did of you. I'm having a nick one before I go. Mate, well, I'll tell you what I'm about best, to do. Best bookstores. No I'm free a, books, no free ads. I'm about to uh, do something, and I need you to read it out live for me. Okay, so hang on a minute. This is for you. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. But you need to read what it says in there. Because it's fucking true, okay? Open up, read it. Randomly? No, the fucking front page. I just did front page, mate, okay. What's it say? Embrace the fail. No, on the Bouncing left, you idiot. by Brett Malcolm. Malcolm McCallum, even. McCallum. Chris, thank you for saving my life. Big love, Brett. There you go, brother. There you mate, go, brother. much appreciated. Oh, thanks, buddy. I think you had a lot to do with it. I was just... Uh, through your, through Just your, take the credit where it's due. Through your lifesaver. Thank you very much, man. A musk one. I fucking oh, love musk lifesavers. They're good, aren't they? They are. The hole in the middle where you can suck through. It's oh, good. so good, mate. Well, it's been a couple of weeks. It's been a long time. What have you been up to? I bought a house. Did you? Yeah. On your pat? Bought a house and, uh, yeah, yeah, so moving forward. A three, well done, mate. Three-bedroom townhouse, getting a place for the kids. When's, uh, when does the move-in date? Ah, uh, we're still in negotiations. Got some tenants in there, so uh, hopefully they're going to move out in the next few weeks. And oh, uh, superb, I'll have mate. a little home on the canal. So uh, moving, moving forward. forward, moving forward. Well done, buddy. Is a bit of a relief. Yeah, yeah. It's been I've been bouncing between places for some time, as you know, and uh, some rough patches. So uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting just to have my own space and have a place for the kids. So I'm you very look much a, looking forward to it. You look a lot happier anyway, buddy. Yeah. Well, you, mate, you always say that when I have a beard. I think you just love my beard. I just love your beard. Yeah, I just want to yeah, rub yeah, your yeah, face. Yeah, yeah, you do, don't you? Yeah. Mate, well, How have you been? What's been going on? How'd you go oh, at golf the other week? So I, I want we, to apologize. We did all right. That. That's all right. That's Thanks, all right, mate. It was good fun. But I had a bit of an accident. Oh, I decided to do an extreme cartwheel down an escalator. That never... On my head. That doesn't seem like a good idea. Yeah, but I learned something from it, mate. Oh, did you? Yeah, I did. I learned that uh, you live once. Yeah. I also learned that you probably should tell your wife if you get taken to hospital. Not a good idea not to tell the wife. She got a little bit upset with me. Did you take off some bark or some stitches? Oh, I took off a heap of bark on my head and uh, ripped my hair out and fucking, like, I got step marks in my back and stuff like that. But I'm good now. I'm a lot better. It was a couple how of weeks hell, ago. How the hell did this happen, mate? Well, on the escalator, you turn around backwards, talk to the bloke behind you, probably should hold on. There's a lesson for all the kids out there. Simple turn on an escalator. Turn on an escalator, yeah, yeah. and there was a very big escalator, and I went down head first and ended up in the hospital and doing all that sort of stuff. But I'm all good now. So I'm back. My head's fixed. Went to the docks today and got the all clear. So life uh, life is good. That's pretty funny. Man. But Oh, mate, yeah, no, it wasn't. Yeah, the, the lesson I learned about telling the wife was massive one. Massive one. But anyway, enough about us. Kept it to yourself. Didn't let her know. Yeah, I'll let her know the next day when she arrived in Sydney where I was and at the airport, probably not the best idea ever. You didn't want to worry her. 100%. So you understand. She didn't Nothing understand Nothing you can do. You're bit. in hospital anyway. Exactly. You're only going to worry. I had people with me to help me. It was Office all good. Zoo. It was all good. I don't need the extra arm. It's all good. <laughs> no, I'm fine, mate. Back, fully fit. Beautiful, Back at the gym. Beautiful. Here all we good. Go. Mate, we've got Justin with us today. G'day, mate. Hey, Brett. How are you? Yeah, good. Mate, I know you're a little bit nervous because your first ever podcast. Yeah, that's right. Mate, this is about our 100th and we still get nervous. No, I wouldn't mm. say nervous. We're just, yeah, it's just us. But anyway, Sweet. mate, I'm going to introduce you in a sec because the first thing as normal we've got to do is we've got to have a look at what this beer is. Mate, born in Manly, Australia, 
Four Pines Brewing Company. I bought this beer because from my uh, my window of my bedroom, I look out onto Pines now. So, oh, uh, there you go. That's the view. That's the view right there's there from my new There's a deep and pad. meaningful. <laughs> Looks all right. Never tried it. Right. So, well, good. we're going to get the chance to do that with right. our fresh, fruity, fresh floral. And I you know, know how much I fucking love fruity, fruity beer. Pale ale. Okay, I'm going to uh, go first. Hang on. This is the worst opener in the history. Oh, that was a good open. That was pretty good. Yeah, what do you got? Yeah, not bad. Not bad. There you Sweet. go. Cheers, Hold that up to the uh, microphone there, bud. Oh, that was poetry. All right, well, let's uh, flash this back and then uh, let's get to meet Justin, hey? Sounds, cheers, ooh, cheers, cheers, boys. Sounds like a plan. Cheers. Cheers, fellas. Ching, ching. Why the fuck do they put fruit with beer? It's actually not bad. I quite like it. You good? I think you've done it right, <laughs> bud. Hey, I'm not sure. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna let that sit for a little bit. Mm. Not as fruity. It's not as bad as some of the ones we've had. But anyway, all right. So Justin, so I got I got introduced to Justin today, but I actually know uh, Justin's partner, Ksenia. Yeah. Um, and a couple of weeks ago, I got uh, I was having a chat to Ksenia, and she goes, oh, "I'd love to get Justin on your podcast. He's gone through some really big shit." <laughs> And it'd be really cool for him to actually talk to other people about it. Mm. So I thought, hey, let's do that then. We are people. We are people. We are other people, <laughs> even. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Right. So, Justin, yeah. do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, so uh, thanks, guys, and thanks for the introduction. Um, I'm Justin uh, Gambino. Grew up in North Queensland on a farm. Justin Gambino. Yeah. That's a very cool name to have right now. Yeah, yeah I, got, right. I, got, <laughs> I got told that in the US as well. Yeah. We're, we're ordering Thai, and uh, anyway, I said, she said, what name is it for? We're in New Jersey. I said Gambino, and she said, oh, that's not a very good name to have around here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. So yeah. we're up north. Uh, Air, mate, little town called Air. Okay. Yeah, so I grew up on a cane farm up North Queensland boy, Italian, eh? family. Yeah, Italian family. Yeah, I love mate. the air, uh, Italian what uh, festival you used to have every year. The food yeah, used to go great place to grow up, up too. Yeah, yeah, so and uh, yeah, then moved down to the uh, Goldie and uh, been down here, well, Brisbane first, and then the Gold Coast, and started a couple of businesses and whatnot, and they went along okay, and uh, settled down and got married and. Had a family and uh, a couple of young kids. And How many kids you got? Got two, two daughters. Yeah. How old? Yeah, so one's almost three and the other one's just turned six. Wow, so, <clears throat> it's great. Great yeah. age, mate. Yeah. Great yeah, age. Great. So, and uh, yeah, so then that ended, and uh, you know, sort of that was uh, an experience. I'll yep. call it that. And uh, and then met Xenia about uh, a year and a half ago now, and uh, yeah. She's uh she's a she's an awesome woman. She's a good so girl. She's great. Yeah, oh, that's so, good. Man. And yeah. I hear you've gone through. Uh, I'm not going to say some shit. I'm going to say a massive pile of shit um, <laughs> over the last couple of years, though, because you're thicken that description up a little bit. Oh, mate, I, well, we're going to yeah. hear about it. But from what yeah. I've heard, the, the the ten second version is pretty fucked up. So, yeah, do you want to do you want to start at the start of the whole process? Yeah, look, I, I think. Look, I wasn't an angel in my, in my marriage. You know, obviously we all make mistakes and you can learn from them, but, uh, you know, not, not anything compared to, you know, sort of what was painted a picture of. So uh, I guess it, look, it was, it got pretty abusive towards the end, you know, where I had to start recording, um, you know, interactions just to keep myself safe. My uncle was a solicitor and he said, look, he said, whatever you do, just start recording any altercations or disagreements you have because he said that's, it's... Looking. Is that legal? Yeah. Oh, so you can rec- – I didn't know your you own, could- Yeah, that's For your right. own benefit. Okay. Yeah, for your own protection. Just so. Yeah. So anyway, I'd started doing that. Look, things were just getting out, out of out of whack really and it come to the point where we were looking at separating <clears throat> and I think I got to the point where I finally made a decision that I was, you know, going to leave and that's when things, I guess, got really serious. So, you know, where the threats of, you know, police being called and, and stuff like that. So um, – Sorry, from your side or from her side? No, from from my ex's side. Okay. So, and look, it got to a point one night there where there was an altercation, disagreement. I'd put my phone on record um, as I was advised to, and uh, the police turned up. <clears throat> and look, you know, there was reports of you know sort of me being abusive and you know manhandling and hitting you know my my ex and all sorts of stuff. And uh, anyway, it looked like I was about to be charged. And I said, well, look, do you you know there's about five police turned up. Um, you know, police dogs, all sorts. And I said, do you guys actually want to listen to the recording? And he said, what do you mean? I said, well, I've got a recording, the whole altercation. And he said, let me have a listen to it. So 
he had to listen to it and um at the end he said hmm you're the aggrieved and she's the aggressor and she ended up getting a warning and you know sort of so they didn't you know take me away he said but look said you're lucky you had that recording because if you didn't you would basically be out of your house and uh you know so from there so he said why wasn't she well, this is the thing when you've got two young kids and yeah. you've got, you know, like a, a young kid that's almost a baby, uh, they're just not going to, they sit the way, you know, they're not going to do that, you know, to a mother. So even though I was perfectly capable of looking after my daughters. So look, and there was a number of times where, you know, I'd had to sort of, you know, protect my daughter from, you know, some of the outbursts as well, you know. So I'd, I'd look, uh, you know, I'd sort of, I'd stand up for myself, but there's a limit as well because, you know, I guess you look at it and you think the last thing you want to do is, you know, split your family up or, you know, you're, you're thinking about your daughters and things like that. But I guess it just it just got – it was the most difficult time of my life, I'd say, because no man wants to split his family up and yeah. you've still got to make a, make a decision. So I left for the night for about three or four days and I was advised not to go back to the house for three or four days by my uncle who's a solicitor and uh, basically got to the point where I come back uh, I wasn't allowed back in the house, but not only that, I wasn't allowed to even see my daughters. So I went for a period of nearly two months without seeing my daughters <clears throat> and my family also. So I guess, you know, looking at that, you know, you look back now and I think I don't hold any hard feelings or anything like that towards my ex. I decided to move on with my life and I thought, you know, the quickest way to do that is, you know, to deal with my own anger or bitterness or whatever it is because I don't want to pass it on to my kids. And I don't think I would have met someone like Senya as soon as I did if I hadn't have dealt with all that rubbish as well. So, I mean, I can honestly look back now and just, you know, look at my ex and go, well, look, you know, it's I've got no hard feelings towards you. What's happened's happened. But I think in and through that, you know, $400,000 later of legal fees and fighting, you know, to get my kids and fighting against false domestic violence claims in court, um, you know, I'd sort of ran out of money and had to start self-representing. So I learned a lot during that process. Um, but look, I think, um, you know, we can do is look at it and go, well, you know, what experience can you take out of this? But when you're going through it, it's, it's damn hard, you know, but yeah. Uh, was it a, something that went for a long period of time or was yeah, it short, year. sharp? Over a year. Okay. Yeah, over a year. So, I mean, it got to the point after about two or three months, I was able to get a little bit of access to my daughters, but it's the court system and the way things are dragged on. Uh, you know, you end up in court and you go for a mention, they don't make any decision there, then you come back for a, another court date again. So this just gets dragged out over time, Like, and, and you see a lot of it. You know, there was a, something on the news a little while ago about the court system and families are waiting up to five years to even get their settlement done. Um, as well as children's orders in place. So, I mean, I probably am lucky in the big scheme of things, um, but, you know, I spent a lot of money in that process too. You know, it was ridiculous. It just dragged on, you know. So how did you fix your own head? Like, we've got a professional in the room. Um, that's definitely not me. But, um, like, how did you, you said that you dealt with all that shit. A lot of late nights sitting yeah. up, and um, honestly, I partied a bit during that time just to let out, you know, my, my steam. I had, I had to do something as an outlet, you know, other than – because it got to the point where – I was working during the day to get some income coming in, and then nighttime I was actually studying the law because I couldn't afford to pay any more solicitors. So yeah. I pretty much burnt through all the cash that we had. Um, and yeah, so I mean, you know, I spent a bit of time with some mates and just got some good guys around me uh, that I just really had a good time with. And I think that allows you to take your focus off those things uh, because it really is a battle the whole way through. Right. We often uh, talk on this show about things men don't talk about, and mm. there's a big ongoing discussion that we have about whether or not blokes do talk about important things, and mm. I, I have a sneaking theory blokes, blokes do in the yeah. other way. Did you talk to your mates about what was going on for you and how yeah, you're feeling? And absolutely, man, and I think that's probably a big key because the less you talk, the more it's bottled up, and I think that's when you know guys either implode and they do something stupid or they just don't know how to deal with those feelings going through, you know? So because it it got really tough there for a while, I had a lot of real just a sense of injustice and anger, but just didn't know where to channel it and what to do with it. So, what was uh, your anger at though? Was it at the court system? Was it at your ex? Was it at the whole situation? Like, that's, well, a, that's a good question. Thanks very much. That's what I'm here for, mate. I'm the, I'm the <laughs> no questioniser. Look, I think um, I think the anger was at like at at everything. Um, but not so much everyone, you know, like I, I definitely was angry at my ex and my ex father-in-law. Definitely. They played a huge part in it. 
Um, but at the end of the day, I think a sense of injustice was really what my anger was at. Like uh, I really wanted to change it, but didn't know how. So I couldn't really just look at it and say, you know, I was angry at myself because I wasn't. Because I looked at it and went, you know what? Okay, I've, I've, I've learned some things through this process. And I looked at the fact as, look, I've got a brand new lease on life. You know, I feel a sense of freedom that I never felt for seven years. Um, you know, even though the relationship started out great in my marriage and it was great for a fair while. But um, I think towards the end there, I just felt suffocated, didn't know, you know, sort of, you know, I didn't see a way out really. But I think that sense of freedom also gave me a real release also where I went, well, I can do the things that I really wanted to do but, you know, didn't really do before. It's interesting, isn't it? So do you think you suffered, and this is probably a stupid question, but there is no stupid question, do you suffer domestic violence? Like normally domestic violence is seen in public as the husband being the aggressor. Yeah, or or did you suffer from – yeah, the other I, way. I had, how, do you, how do you say that? Look, I mean, things – look, I had ice spat in my face and, and uh, you know, a number of things along the way and, and more than that. But I guess, you know, yeah, it was. And I actually put – at first I put in a cross application against my ex, uh, basically saying, look, you know, <laughs> there's domestic violence, you know, so that the way that the court system works is they put in an application against you and you can put in a cross application. Yeah. But I got to, you know, by the time we got to court, I looked at this and I thought, you know what, what a stupid example to be setting for my two young daughters and how dysfunctional is it that you've actually got to stand there and fight in here and, and put in a uh, an application to the police for domestic violence when, you know, look, I've, I've gone through worse in my life, but I just thought this just is not a good example for my daughters if I've got an application against their mother for domestic violence. I just thought I think the what I attempted to do was to go, listen, I'm going to withdraw my application um, in order to just try and bring some goodwill here and see if we can negotiate out of this. But it actually that made, go for you? It made it worse. Yeah, yeah so I, I think, look, but at the end of the day, I've, I feel, look, you know, I still felt like I made the right decision because I went, look, you know what? Regardless of what happens from here, at least if I, you know, maintain some sense of principle, um, you know, and I didn't do it perfectly, you know, I think I look back in some of the things that I'd put in some of my affidavits, I, I, I really just, you know, even though it was true, I just don't think it really added any value or made any effect, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, when it came to actually, you know, the whole goal was to be able to get access to my daughters and get a fair settlement. Um, I still think that it did, really didn't make much effect. You know, playing by the way that, you know, the court system plays, it just, just doesn't work. So do you see your daughters now? Yeah. So has the whole thing been resolved the wrong word, but has a, <laughs> has a resolution come to all the court stuff or are you still in there? We got, we got settlement done and I've got, you know, good access to my children now, which is great. They come and stay and we have a good time. Um, look, there's still been a little bit of haggling, you know, whereas uh, trying to get the divorce papers through and whatnot caused a bit of a, a stir where a report was put in that I had breached the... Because sub- in, in the end, I submitted to the orders without admission saying, look, well, you know, I'll submit to having the orders in place if it ends it, but, you know, I still disagree with it. Yeah. Um, but look, you know, so that just means that there's certain guidelines that I've actually got to abide by. Um, so in order to, you know, when going through with the divorce, I ended up, you know, doing something that supposedly has allegedly caused me to breach the orders, which I disagree with, which I'm still fighting in court now. But look, I mean, you know, I'll sneeze the wrong way and, you know, the cops will be around my place, um, saying, look, you know, these are the guidelines. You can only text this. You've texted that. And I'll say, well, look, it's still in relation. So yeah, I was in the cop shop last week. Um, I was supposed to come here actually, but I was mm. in the police station just um, going through and yeah, discussing you know charges whether they're going to lay them. They decided not to, uh, which is good. But um, so is that because a complaint was made against you, so yes. therefore they come out? Wow. Yeah, correct. So, Chris, do yeah. many men and do, like do they admit to suffering from domestic violence, or is this a common thing that we don't know about or we don't talk about much? Yeah, yeah, I think it's a lot more common than we we give it credit for. I mean, it's it's really about how you define violence. I mean, there's the physical violence, there's emotional violence, there's financial violence, there's mm. restriction to access to children, which is another form of violence. It's so, violence on the kids, actually. 
It's yeah. abuse, you know. So there's there's different types of ideas and and principles and processes. I mean, ideally, people uh, after a breakup can um, you know work it out, but often there's a lot of emotion and a lot of hostility and a lot of hurt, and uh, people get angry. And the only people that really benefit are, are the solicitors and lawyers from that kind of process. Well, you so. can see from that for what four hundred grand. Yeah, it was over well, money. between her and I. It was about four hundred and sixty, I think it was. So hmm. wow. Yeah, and, and how do you feel about it now, mate? Are you, how you Look, honestly, as you sit here, yeah. honestly, I I decided I, this is either going to make me feel jaded, or I can look at it and go, I can milk this for everything it's worth. And I I say to people, this has been the best two years of personal development that I've ever been through because it forced me to really, I had to manage my emotions day to day. I really had to get into a space where. Ultimately, I'm responsible, you know, where things go from this point on in my life. Even if situations come, ultimately, I'm responsible how I'm going to respond to that. And I haven't always done it the best. Um, sometimes I've reacted when I should just keep my mouth shut or I've said something I shouldn't have said, uh, which has just caused me more things to have to deal with. But I think at the end of the day, I milked it for every single thing it was worth. I learned how to represent myself in court. I learned how to went and read the uh, – at one point there – when I first got rid of the solicitor, I went and read the Domestic Violence Act, the judge's bench book, so I knew what the judge could and couldn't do. Um, I read the solicitor's conduct rules, so I knew what the solicitor could do and what they couldn't do, and I uh, found some good loopholes in there. I went and read the Police Protection Act, found that, and the police uh, uh, operational procedures, and I found that during that process, the police hadn't even followed their own procedures. If they would have, I wouldn't have even been in court for domestic violence because I had the evidence there and offered it to them, but they didn't take it at the time. Uh, So, I mean, looking at that, I developed a whole new set of skills and way of being that I didn't have before. And I often tell people, look, it really actually turned me more into a man than it did take away from it because I really had to go, look, this is either going to eat me or I'm going to eat it, but it only can be one of the two. So I think it's, it comes down to mindset and how you deal with it in in that time. So. Very much about mindset, mate. You know, yes. I've been uh, through a separation and, uh, you know, over the last 12 months too and uh, it wasn't necessarily as... Um Complicated as your own, but um, it, it changes you, doesn't it? It, it teaches it you a whole lot of stuff about yourself. And it's about learning to learning to stand on your own feet and make your own decisions and uh, yeah. guide your own path. But mindset's fundamental, fundamental yeah. to the process. And it all comes back to it every time, every topic. It's helpful, mate. Isn't it? It's exactly the same thing. It's like it's all about that mindset. What do you do for crust before this, before you became this uh, – solicitory guru dude that knows all this stuff now. <laughs> that, <What? laughs> that, that fumbled his way through. Well, well there's uh, nothing wrong with that. Before, I do that with life. <laughs> before that, I... Could be a uh, business in helping people exactly. self-represent themselves. 100%. I'll be the self-representer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> before that, I uh, had an online workplace health and safety uh, business So where we just basically provide different workplace health and safety procedures to small business. I know it's pretty boring, hey? Sorry, yeah. no, no, no. <laughs> You're no, right, mate. I love it. <laughs> <and safety. laughs> so, but, uh, so I basically learned how to, to uh, read the Workplace Health and Safety Act because that's what I did for a job. And when I... Well, so you had some yeah, practice in... I didn't know that like, at okay, the time, okay, though. Okay, so okay. when I actually started looking at some of the stuff my solicitor was reading, I went, hang on a second, this is the same language as the Workplace Health and okay. Safety Act. So yeah. that's where I went, my mind clued on, I went... And then it was one day I was sitting in court and I was listening to my barrister at the time talk to the judge and he was fumbling all over the place and he didn't mention one bit of legislation or anything like that. And I thought, he's just selling my story to the judge. I can do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's when I decided to, to get rid of the solicitor, uh, the the barrister and go, look, I'm going to take it from here. And they advised me not to. And, of you course, because you're paying them a shit ton of money. Yeah. And so I think um, just looking at that, I mean, I found that even in that process, my own solicitor was really, even though my uncle was a principal, he handed it down to an, another solicitor in mm. his firm. But I found that when I came up with a uh, an idea or a theory based on legislation, I found that actually I got resistance from them. And I felt like I wasn't even being listened to. Like, you know, you just be quiet and, and we're the experts who are handling this. And You're I paying asked him, us to do this. Yeah. yeah, I asked him a question and he said, I don't know, I'll have to look that up and read it. And I thought, well, heck, he's just going to the same site that I can go to and read. So I said, I'm just paying someone to read something and then come back and tell me what it says when I can read that for myself. So... 
that's when I sort of clued on. And there was a section in the um, solicitor's conduct rules that if a solicitor knows that someone is, is told a fib or, you know, spoken, you know, the stuff that is completely false inside their affidavit, they have two options. They can either sack the client right there and then or they can get – sorry, they can get the client to – uh, they have to put in submission to the judge, let them know that there's been a falsity in the affidavit and they have to change and update the record, which then lets the judge know, basically, look, we got someone telling fibs here. Yeah, yeah. Or if they don't do that, they have to sack the client. They're called a delinquent client. So I asked my solicitor, can you please write a letter to their solicitor, submit this evidence that proves that that's wrong, and say, look, you've got two options. Let the judge know, change the affidavit, or fire your client. And my solicitor refused to do that and said, no, 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 we won't. So I got rid of them. I actually did exactly that. Three days later, I had a letter from their solicitor saying we're no longer acting uh, for your former wife as a, uh, as, as a, in the domestic violence matters. And I thought, well, they sacked their client because they obviously didn't want to update it. So I, thought, I looked at that and I thought from then on it was like, you know what, I think I'll just go – you know, sort of food. How do the judges look at that? Do they look at okay? Um, me and Chris are in the court. Chris is a barrister. I'm representing myself. Do mm. they think, oh, he's a barrister, so I'm going to listen to him more than I would listen to me as the self-representer? I think you actually personally, I found that everything gets filtered. Like when you, so you know, the judge is trying to weigh up who you are as a person, those yeah. sort of things as well. So I'm feeling like the judge doesn't have any idea when a solicitor is speaking for me. So when I speak. And I get up and speak. They can only, they can also hear a bit through your voice and through your tone as well, and it's a little bit more who you are. So I found actually that worked better because it it, it really helped balance some scales a little bit. In my view, I preferred that because I felt like, well, look, they they know who I am yeah. to some degree, you know. So hmm. wow, because I've, I've I've never heard of someone like I've always heard people obviously self representing and all that sort of stuff, mm-hmm. but to go to the nth degree like you have is awesome I reckon it, it, and man it, my, my it, head works I'm, I'm a businessman I'm sitting there going there's an opportunity here for you to make a lot of money helping people from that point of view look I'd, I'd love to help people because people just get ripped by by the legal system you know by solicitors they're just getting you know raped basically and is I, that next is that what you're thinking actually I can do that or are you not even in that space look I'm not there yet maybe if the, you know if you know I'm working on some stuff in cryptocurrency at the moment which I'm really enjoying so I think you know if time time's always a huge factor I think if stuff starts to come together and I can see where I can sort of help guys and add value and, you know, charge a decent fee as well. Um, but, you know, even just to add value there somewhere, if the opportunity opens up. See, what, you do it for nothing, just to help exactly. the blokes That's out, right. wouldn't you? And I exactly. think we all would so. We'd do the same thing. Yeah. That's from me. Like, I've learned a lot, haven't I? Did, have you said, did you say that? I did, did say that out loud. <laughs> but that's the thing, though, mate. Yeah. If you can help a, help a brother, that's one of those things, isn't it? It's that's like, right. You and know, and at the same time, um, yeah. sort of give them a bit of confidence in the stuff that they need to get done. That's that's Because there must be a lot of people suffering. Yeah, look, especially in the area of the, you know, the false charges for DV. And what mm. I find is, you know, someone said, why don't you, you know, contact one of those, you know, groups or whatever. And I'm... I'd had a look at some of the comments on some of the Facebook pages, but I just didn't like the general mindset. It's almost, look, I mean, and it's hard. I, I don't take away any of that from anyone going through it, but the general feel I get is like it becomes a little bit of a a hospital or, you know, there's a bit of a victim mentality going around. And I think men have sort of got to stand up a little bit. Well, women actually, you know, good women out there are standing up and saying, you know, this is ridiculous. And I think the more women and men that are standing up saying, look, no more, I just got to a point where I'm saying no more, you know, like the police come around and said, well, you can't say that in the text message. And I said, but it's the truth. I am fighting false domestic claims. And I said, and I'll continue to go to court as many times as I've got to because I'm going to stand up and speak the truth about this and I'm going to speak out about it. And the police officer said, well, unfortunately, you're going up against the system. And I said, well, that doesn't matter. I said, because this crap keeps happening until someone stands up and says no more. So, I mean, that's – I think that guys have got to get to a point also that, you know, because I guess a guy who's been beating his wife doesn't go to the nth degree like that. You know what I mean? And I think, you know, shame on the guys that do. I mean, you know, everyone's capable of it in their worst state. But I think, you know, if if you know that, you know, look, this is the case, well, you know, it's time for guys to start standing up and going, well, you know, we're not going to put up with this either because – it's just, you know, but there's no penalties out there for women that are found lying in court about it. So, I mean, it's just, you know... Is there penalties for blokes that are found lying in court about it? Oh, look, you know, it's it's much of a muchness, you know. I think, it is. yeah, it, okay. it's it's too easy just to get a domestic violence... They find it easy just to put a domestic violence order out there um, and that sorts out the trouble, but it's being used against guys, especially when it comes to custody um, in children's cases, you know. 
So, mm. Wow. So. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of moments where you've got to take a deep breath and walk away. This is uh, this is the truth of the matter. I could have shut my mm. mouth a lot, and I actually could have probably in the beginning just been a little bit, uh, a lot more flexible, actually. And I think it, it would have, you know, I take responsibility for that. It would have turned out a lot more flexible. Um, but there were some matters of principle in there with me as well that, you know, I just couldn't stomach the fact that my own daughters were held you know, for money until settlement was done, you know, or, you know, at least on its way there. Uh, I just didn't think they had to suffer like that. And so there was a principle in me that said, you know, I'm not going to just roll over here. Um, so did they suffer? You said your daughter's like three and six now. Mm. So what, they were baby and one? Oh, sorry, okay, baby so two. We're looking, two we're looking at three and a half, closer to four. Yeah, uh, so she understands what's going on? Yeah. To I, a point. I remember um, having my daughter cry on the phone saying, why can't I see you, Daddy? And I lived at Burley Heads just down the road. Um, and that that really, you know, was just, it gutted me, you know, yeah, but it gutted me for her, you know. And I think the other thing was when I was allowed, a, after all that time, I was allowed a little bit of time, and me and my eldest daughter were quite close, is that, um, you know, it was only a few hours a week that I was getting at that point. When I dropped her home, she said, I want to, she wasn't even allowed to stay overnight. Uh, she said, I want to stay with you for the night, Daddy. And uh, her mother wouldn't let her. And I had to listen to my daughter scream as she was being dragged inside the house. So I think, you know, after working from home and seeing your daughter every day and just being so close to just being cut cold like that, I yep. just think there was no thought for the kids in there, you know. So, mm. So, Wowzers! That's all I can say, mate. That's uh, I think good on you for sticking up for yourself, and and good on you for for taking the uh, having the balls to sack your solicitor. I think more people should do that because I think they're lying thieving gypsies, most of them. But that's just my personal opinion, not that shared by the show or the company that we work for. Mm. But uh, I just think, mate, that there's a lot of people out there take advantage of others in uh, in bad situations, and that's not something that I condone or, or, or appreciate. But I reckon good on you, mate, having the nuts to get out and do that that's uh that's a sensational thing thanks yeah. thanks yeah and it's a tricky one because you know on the other side of the coin there's a lot of women out there that have, are abused without exactly. doubt and a lot of women that we definitely are, don't condone that are uh, manipulated financially and children wise and uh you know and there's uh, there's just it's just a, a history of, of women being uh, treated as second class citizens so the system has to try to protect and then people can use that. And, uh, you know, in all relationships, I mean, I've had uh, abusive, what I would consider abusive interactions with my partner. You, mm. you're, you had fights with your wife that you consider have probably crossed the oh, edge. fuck yeah. I think it's a natural part of a relationship. But when you're in the separation process, then those moments become... You know, legal tender. That's right. And I mean, it's just, you know, it's fair game for all at that point. Mm. And it's, you know, and look, it really is messy. But, you know, I mean, I think you're, you're absolutely right because there there is, uh, you know, a, a lot that's happened to women over the years. And there was definitely an imbalance there. And that makes it really hard. And I think men are still, now, now men are trying to find their way to a large degree, um, you know, to navigate some of this, you know, space because it's, it's definitely not the same as what it was. I think we're in a, a bit of a shift somewhere, and uh, you know, but really hard for the, the court system too to really find out what yeah. is true. Yeah, and, Look, and to and to make to make calls on what's best for the children or what's best for people. I mean, ideally, mum and dad sit down and work it out with the kids about what's the best arrangement to have. Do you feel like you've got the right balance? I definitely now look. I, I think there's still communication is very difficult. Um, you know, I mean, it's it still feels quite fresh with the ex. I mean, we've got orders in place now that you know, sort of. So that way, there's not too much interaction. Um, I think there's probably a a little bit of um, maybe bitterness towards me. Like, I mean, she's got her own story, and I'm sure if you know she got to say her piece, um, she'd have her view of looking at things uh, completely different to you know how I viewed them. So, I mean, everyone's right in their own eyes. <clears throat> but I would say that when it came down to the DV stuff, I think you know when it comes to the court system, I had the audio evidence, you know, pretty much everything I needed to clear my name on that very first court date. And, you know, four court days later, I still hadn't been able to play those tapes. So, you know, looking... Why is that? They wouldn't let you? Yeah, look, they just said, look, we won't allow it today. We'll wait and we'll go to a hearing. And it's just it's just dragged out, you know, when in the very first meeting, um, if, you know, the judge would have taken 10 minutes 
to listen to it, which, you know, the whole court session took 20. It could have been decided quite easily. But, you know, well, obviously there's a process that they have to follow and there's there's obviously laws and there's all those sort of things that are way yeah. beyond us. Well, it was up to the judge's discretion. and mm. um, But, I mean, you know, yes, they do have those processes, but the processes are really inefficient when it comes to this sort of thing. So mm. otherwise we wouldn't have, like, the epidemic we've got going on now too because, yes, okay, the domestic violence cases have gone down, but the amount of guys in court that are estranged from children and the suicides in men are going up. So, I mean, you know, we've got, yes, you plug one hole, but you've got another hole that pops up. And I think a good balancing act there somewhere would be, well, okay, if it can be proven that someone is in there, you know, just using the system, they call it abusive process. So if they're using the the process of court to, you know, as for abusive purposes and withhold children and whatnot, there should be some punishment in there or, you know, even some short-term jail term, fine, whatever it is, um, if there's, you know, compelling evidence to show that, hey, someone's in here just, you know, using the system for their own advantage. But it's interesting not. you say that because one of the first things we mentioned here was the fact when you said that the police come and you showed them the recording at the start. Yeah. And my question to you was, why didn't they take your missus away, mm. right? Because of the kids and all that sort of stuff and, and that. It's like, but at the same time we're just talking about now is the fact that if these people have made falsities, they should suffer. But don't, don't your kids then suffer? Well, they Does that make sense? Some, yeah, no, they I would. Think it made sense in my head as it came out. They would to some degree, but yeah. there, there has to be some something. Like for example, I think that okay. So what happens with a with a guy if if you know? For example, you've got punishment on one side if you go and do something that's against the law, so you're less likely to actually do that. Yeah. Um, so I just think having some form of repercussion at this end Agreed. is actually going to bring that down, you know? So, and that doesn't mean that the kids are estranged from their mother or anything like that, but yeah. it just means something that's actually going to have a big enough, recom- uh, you know, like a recompense of that if, you know... They don't some- do it. Exactly. Yeah, fair call. So fair it's not call. as easy to do, put it that way. So, you know. The other thing I'd like to do is pick your brain, right? Mm. And... You've gone through a shitty two years mm. and we were talking about mindset and stuff before and one of the things Chris and I talk about a lot is uh, meditation and my, my, my mind works at 300 million miles an hour and always has but one of the things I've learned over the last few years now with Chris is how to meditate, how to sort of find my inner self when I get into a situation that I don't want to be in and that's one of the things when I fell down the escalator I found myself, I was actually like, okay, concentrate, slow, breathe, all that sort of stuff, which is really interesting. But have you found that? Like you said you you sat up late at night and you did that sort of stuff. Mm. Have you found – how do you deal with your mindsets? I think it's my question. Look, I've always had a, I guess you call it a faith in God, you know, and I've always just had a real spiritual side where I just – I just know that there's more than, you know, you can just see with your eyes. And I think that pulled me through a, a lot of so a You're lot of a religious time. man? No, I'm not religious. Okay. I really don't like religion. Like to, to me, religion is rules. But yeah. having a having just a like a living faith, you know, where I just I just believe there's a God and I, I believe he's on my side and I'm on his side, you know. Mm. It doesn't mean I get everything right, um, you know, I'll still fuck up. Um, but it just means that there's, you know, that there's there's grace. And I just, yeah. That's where I, I guess you got. We, we have the God conversation most weeks <laughs> <laughs> in regards to this because yeah. Brett loves it. Right? He brings <laughs> it up every time. Because <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, we've always gone through the process that I don't believe in God, and he's going, Well, don't you? Really? Like, it's a, we have this conversation ongoing. So it's really interesting you say mm. that, that it's more of a faith, but you're not religious. Oh, I think that's really interesting. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, well, it brings true to me. It's uh, Italian. Roman Catholic. Well, I Holy didn't really Spirit. grow up. I didn't really grow up Catholic or anything like that. No. Um, I grew up in a Christian church, and um, okay. you know, sort of, I was sort of a bit of a rat bag teenager, you know, and those sort of things. But I mean, it was just, it's just something that I've, I've sort of carried along, and I've seen evidence of it in my life, and I really can't deny it. So, so if there is a God, why the fuck did this happen to you? Why do bad things happen to good people? That's my question. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, yeah. well, I think the bigger question is why does anything happen at all, Brett? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Hey? Well, what is really happening? Oh, there we go. Kindred spirits on the other side of the table. Is, is, is anything happening? Oh. <laughs> I can only assume something seems to be taking place. <laughs> Potentially. <laughs> but no well, one may really or may not be a part of it. I can't be sure. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, the beer yeah. tastes good, though. It's going down all right. Yeah, it is going down I right. love the movie The Matrix, you know. I really, uh, yeah. I think there's a lot of, um, <laughs> you know, parallels. In, there's a whole, you know, lot so. of hidden meanings in that yeah, movie, isn't there? Yeah, so. so do you think you've come through without bitterness? I mean, I think that's an interesting thing mm, to actually let, to let it go mm. and to move forward. And uh, it's a tricky one because, you know, 400 grand, whew, mm. geez, I'd be feeling a little bitter. But uh, mm. how, do you, how do you reframe? How do you stop? How do you just let it go and move forward? And you, like you said, it's still ongoing. There's still court orders in place and you yeah. guys don't communicate anymore. And you've kind of lost a wife and a friend and... You know, the mother yeah. of your child, and uh, you, right. you guys aren't having birthdays and Christmases together by the sounds of things. Yeah, and, yeah. there's 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 probably more than bitterness. There's probably a bit of sadness at my end because I could have didn't think didn't did, done things better, but you only know what you know at the time. And you know, I think I've just got to keep bringing myself back to even when stuff's going on. Is look, you know, people do things for a reason. You know, um, you know, she's people. She wouldn't have done what she did unless she did what she did unless she was hurting to some degree. So you know, there's there's pain everywhere. You just got to keep remembering that at the end of the day, it's really pain that's driving you know a lot of these behaviours, and you sort of got to look at it like that. So um, would I say that I'm a hundred percent free of bitterness? That's a pretty tough call. Um, I think the bitterness I'm aware of, yes, but there's sometimes things that come up, you know, emotions that catch me and go, wow, I didn't realise I was still angry, you know, sort of thing. So, and then I have to deal with that. So, because sometimes we don't know what's underneath the surface. So, but I'd say to a large degree, I, I tend to think, you know, like the best thing that I can do for, you know, Xenia, uh, the woman I love and my two beautiful kids right now is to go out and create a life that, you know, that they love and just, you know, create each day, you know, a day that we all, you know, sort of just enjoy. You know, circumstances come and go, they change. You know, I've been broke before, made money before, then, you know, sort of lost it and then had to build it back. And this is just doing that again. And yeah, Brett's heart. Indeed, mm. exactly the same. Mm. Uh, so, uh, I think it's... so five years from today, mm. where are you sitting? Mm. We've got a pretty good internet business based in crypto and, uh, you know, and, and a couple of other things. We're doing a branding and video business right now that we're building and starting to get clients on for that. So it's, you know, starting to move forward. But, you know, I, I look at all this and I just think, you know what, it's, it's still a blessing. You know, I, I can honestly look at it and go, I'm not, I'm more of a man now than I was back then. And actually I'm happier now in the circumstances I've gotten now compared to what I was when there was money in the bank, no debts, you know, working 20 hours a week, all that sort of stuff. I'm actually happier now. So if you look at it and go, what is wealth? You know, so... Fucking interesting, isn't it? Yeah, anyway. <laughs> I used to fight, used to fight with my <laughs> missus over money and, uh, you know, trying to trying to work things out and trying to hold on tight. And now it's all shifted and yeah. now it doesn't seem important at all. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's a saying that comes from a, a guru of mine, Ram Das, and uh, he's excellent because he, he really gets into his own nitty-gritty stuff, but he says suffering is grace. Yeah. Yeah. I know oh. Brett's probably struggling with that idea. No, I'm getting there. Yeah, 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 slowly yeah, yeah, but surely. Yeah, I'm yeah, getting there. Yeah, no, yeah, I understand. Yeah. Another question for you. Mm. Your daughter turns 18. You take her to the pub. You sit down, having a first beer with her, yeah, mm. or whatever, yeah. Mm. And she says, Dad, tell me about your life. Mm. What are the defining points that you're going to point out to her? Mm, that's a really good question. Thank you very much. That's something I've never even asked myself. No, the reason I so, asked that mm. question is to me, do kids learn? Like, I'm writing another book at the moment, right? Yeah. And it's called Kids Aren't Born Assholes. They're taught mm. to become assholes yeah. because of the environment they're put in, yeah. because of the situations they're in, because of video games, mobile phones, you know what I think all funny? those sort of stuff. What? Mm. I think it's funny that you write books <laughs> <laughs> and that you don't like to read. It's funny, isn't it? That's pretty awesome. But the thing is, to, my, to me, it's all about nature versus nurture, right? Yeah. So yeah. you're in a situation now where yeah. obviously you, you get to see your kids, which is fucking awesome, man, because yeah, there's a lot of people is. that don't. Yeah. But you're going to give them the best possible life you possibly can. Yeah. They go into another environment, mm. which I'm sure your ex-wife don't know or don't, don't have an opinion, mm. is believe she's giving them the best possible life that she can. Obviously, yeah. they're going to be two different lives. Yes. 
Yeah. That's the reason I asked the question because mm. I'm a big believer in it's all about the kids, yeah? Mm. So no matter if people break up or any of that sort of stuff, the kids are the most important factor because you've given birth to these things, Yeah, right? Things, yeah. Wrong, wrong statement, but yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's all about the kids, and everything you've said today has been all about the kids. When you, mm. when you, when you look at this whole, whole concept and everything we've spoken about is all about your kids. The kids shouldn't see that, shouldn't be on the kids. The kids, all that sort of stuff, man. Well, so I'd you've probably got, shift. I'd probably say yeah. it hasn't been about the kids. It's been about relationships with kids. Yeah, that's mm. what I mean. Yeah, that's a really good point there and too. The, the space mm. that we get to share with kids. So, I don't so think, when they get to the age where you can share shit with them, mm. what do you share? That's that's a really good question. You sit there and, and go, think... your mother was a bitch, she did this, she did that, or do no. you sit there and go, like, God, which to me is what you're going to do, is you're going to say, like, God bless mum, she's she's good, she's doing what she needs to do, I'm doing what I need to do, and this is the best life we can give you. Look, she's being the best mother she can, um, you know, she's being the best person she can with what she knows, you know, yeah. and people do the best they can with, with what they have right now. So it doesn't mean that, you know, we've agreed and I've looked at things going, you know, that's wrong. But she's looked at things that I've done and, you know, like I said before, she'd have her own story if she sat in this chair. So, I mean, look, you know, I, I think all you can really do there is is what do you want for your kids? And that's, you know, you don't want them to carry the weight or the burden of having to feel like, you know, choose between mum and dad, you know yeah. what I mean? And I think that carrying a burden like that would be I, a lot harder. Yeah, I so. think they innately do end up in that spot. No matter yeah. how good it is, there's yeah. still a sense of, oh, um, who's, not so whose side you're on, but they, they feel, you know, confronted with different spaces. So yeah. With mum, I act a certain way. With dad, I act a certain way. And that happens when you're together as yeah. well. Oh, of it, course. It's magnified when you separate. You yeah. must be looking at that now. Like, obviously, your kids are all different ages as well. Mm-hmm. Um, are you noticing, like, the older one does it different than the younger one? Like oh they're all they're all dealing with it differently and they're but do all, they play games? That's the thing I find because my my kids play games against me and my missus like we're together. <laughs> they're smart, <laughs> but they do like they'll speak my to me one way and another way. My wife and I have probably had the cleanest break you could yeah. you could imagine with you can finance and property and kids, uh, but still That's been great. some very tense moments yeah. and still things kids say and you might say back to the partner and the ex-partner, and then they rate back, and then there's a whole little circle. We're trying our hardest to avoid that because we yeah. realise how complicated that is. You're not is breaking kids. up because everything's rosy. You've got to remember that. There's always a reason for a breakup, <clears throat> yeah? So there's obviously that's going to have an effect on the kids, and they're going to like... Well, but staying together in an unhealthy relationship... It's even worse, I reckon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or yeah. staying together just because you think you're supposed to. Yeah. Yeah, so there's yeah. there's all different layers, and uh, yeah. all you can do is walk your path. I mean, this wasn't my decision to be right here, right now. It's, yeah. it's just where I've ended up. Are you really right here, right now? I don't know. See what I just did there? <laughs> uh, where is right here? Mate, right do you know what? All I can... As everything's in a state of flux. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's anywhere at all. Yeah, exactly. uh, all I can say is I really appreciate you coming in and talking to yeah, us. Thanks. thanks so much for just being honest, telling us your mm. story. Um, these are topics that people need to fucking talk about more, yeah? It is, Whether, yeah. whether it's good, bad, or ugly, who cares? We need to talk about this it's stuff real. 100%. And the way that you've dealt with it, man, I'm fucking proud of you. Well done. I think one, one big thing that really helped is... Uh, Pretty much within two, three weeks after, you know, the first, where we'd first separated and it came to a crescendo, I ended up at Date with Destiny, Anthony Robbins, for uh, five days. Mm-hmm. And I come out of that place, you know, with a completely different mindset, just even about my life from that point. It just, and I think the meaning that we give to it is probably the huge factor. You know, what, what this means is really going to be where you take it from that point on. So I think that was probably a big thing. Existential perspective, anything we want. Yeah, we can yeah. we can make our own meaning. Yeah. Yeah, so. You love you love Anthony. I do. I'm, ba- I'm an Anthony man. fan. I am. He's a very, yeah. very enormous human. Yeah. And uh, and uh, yeah. has a lot of love in his heart, mate. He's one of those. Yeah. So he makes a fuck ton of money too. Yeah. But, he's, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I believe he does it for the right reason, hence what he does. Yeah. Um, well, as I say, thanks so okay. much for coming. I really appreciate talking to you. The way we always finish this is on a on a on a good note, yes. yeah, or sometimes a bad note. So we've gone to uh, to Manly, one of the best places on the planet, has the best rugby league team in the history of the world, and uh, we've looked from Four Pines Brewing Company. The reason we got this was because the big man next to me uh, has this new view out his window of pine yeah, trees. Every nice. premiership they've ever had. That's okay. It doesn't matter. Spoons, that's all right. Anyway, so a fruity. Fresh floral. Try and say that when you've had a few of them. Pacific ale. I'm not a fan of pale ales. I'm not a fan of putting fruit in a beer. However, I think you might have turned me. 
on the beer front. You're not that attractive. Anyway, I uh, I actually quite like it. I think it's not a bad drop. I, like I don't it. think I could drink many of them. Hence, why it's only there's only three beers in the third beer. I've got a picture in my head now, looking at your window at the pine trees, sitting on your balcony, drinking one of these with you. Going cheers to another great year of the third beer. That's me. I'm going to give it a seven out of ten. Oh, you went first this time. I did. I actually pushed in. You pushed in. Well, Usually me last. So I thought, no, I'm going to have well, a crack. Well, I started off with my new place, but uh, where this conversation's taken to me is I shared a, uh, I was on a, a January dry. You yeah, know, you were. Dry, yeah. dry January. We, we had the, first, the third kombucha, we're in, actually. <laughs> we're in the process of moving, and uh, I had my last uh, beer uh, on top of our balcony as I was looking out some pines. The old place. The old place with yeah. my, my ex-missus, and... Uh, she has a beer and we, we share a little moment and then she goes, well, uh, do you mind looking after the kids tonight because I'm going out? <laughs> fair I, fair I enough. That just framed my <laughs> little experience there. You know, you're having a beer after 30 yeah. years in Mrs. And she goes, yeah. yeah, that was great. That was tasty. Thanks a lot. Uh, can you mind the kids because I'm going out? And uh, <laughs> it was just a little moment. Cheers yeah, to you. awesome ex. to spend some time with the kids. It's all good. <laughs> So what do you got, mate? What we do is we try and have a picture around what it is, and then we give it a score out of 10. You didn't give it a score. Okay. Uh, I wasn't a fan. You weren't a fan? I think it's funny that we don't like the same type of beer. Uh, <laughs> something not so great about it. I, I think I could have a couple. I couldn't have too many, but it's probably the lowest score I've ever had. I'm going to give it probably a six and a half. Ooh. It's low for you. It is low. What do you got, bud? Look, I'm not much of a beer drinker, mate, but I'll have one every now and again. But look, I'd give it a good, um, yeah, I'd give it a five out of 10. Five? Yeah. Weren't a big fan, but I'm, I'm, I didn't I'm hate in the, it. I'm in the middle. I didn't hate it. I uh, didn't love it, but I didn't, you know, I don't love beer anyway, but I, I liked yeah, cool. it. I liked it. So. It doesn't sound like we're going to get a sponsorship from the Four Pints, but <laughs> that's all right. What do you do? You've got to be honest with us. You do. It's not Honesty about, is the best it's policy. It's not all about money, mate. <laughs> no. Good to see you, big fella. You How'd too, you go brother. with the golf, and how's the uh, scales going? Well, the scales went ugly after I got injured. Yeah, yeah I, I sort of went into a bit of a... Uh, Bad eating so face. Just, just for the punters this year, because um, we're going to keep going. So, in regards to your original push forward, yes. Okay, where do we sit now? Are we lighter than we were when we started oh, shit, yeah. this time last yeah, year? Yeah, I mean, I'm a good 14 kilos still lighter okay. than I was. Okay, yeah. Um, and my whole mission, you're, I've got. You're 14 lighter now? 14 lighter now than you I was. Did get down to. I got down another eight, I think. Jesus. So, yeah, so I've, I've put about eight kilos back on, but I know why. And I know, I understand that. Back at the gym this morning, but I haven't got back into extra large clothes again. I'm, I'm still wearing the same shit, just a little bit tighter. But, oh, mate, I'll lose it in the next six, seven weeks. And 100 I'm, still, I'll go. Under 100. Yeah. I worked out today, right, if I lose one kilo a week, because it's my birthday last week, so one kilo a week till my next birthday means I'll lose 52 kilos. Right? I'm going to get close back to my birth weight, which was the end goal. I've got a challenge for you too. I, I want you to come and do a yoga session with me this I'm year. I'm in, 100%. I, I, I've got a yoga teacher down at Corumbin, Sprout Yoga. Yeah. yeah no, I want to only do it if you're teaching it. Oh, you've got to do it with Asana. Is that the chick we met that time? No, no. It's a different Another one. Chick. It should be a good interview. But uh, Ashtanga, two hours. I, I think you'd uh, two fall, hours? I think you'd fall in love. Okay, I'm going to do it. Well, I'll do that. You have to come to 12 round with me. No problem, buddy. And to go back to your comment that you've been a smart ass earlier, yes, I am an author. I'm now a published author. Embrace the Fail came out last week. I think you should read a book this year as and well. And I'm going to read a book other than my own. So the funny thing is, I'm actually doing it. Congratulations, mate. It's no mean feat. I'm going to read it. I'm, I'm doing an audio it. version, so that means I get to read that one. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Thanks very much for coming in, mate. Yeah, much appreciated. It's, it's a very difficult topic, and uh, we don't want to brave uh, light or make light of anything around people's issues. It's very tricky, and each context is uh, is very, very individualised, and yours sounds like a very interesting but difficult journey. So thanks very much for sharing. You've got to be able to look back and laugh, mate. So uh, yeah. You do, my friend. Yeah. A great way to finish. Mm. I laugh at your own bullshit. Mm. It's just not funny. <laughs> it's just not funny. <laughs> <laughs> See you later, boys. Namaste. Thank you.